This is The Christian Artist. Honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Connor. My name is Caleb. And I'm David. Wait, what? 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 <laughs> Who is this guy? Whoa. You're really is loud. This, is this our mystery guest? Or our not-so-mystery guest. Oh, yeah, because we kind of gave away his identity last mm-hmm, time. Pretty much. His secret identity. Except to, like, Carly and Sarah and other people who listen to this podcast and don't actually know us personally. Yeah. You probably don't know who David is. But anyway, hi, David. Who are you? Tell us who you are and what you do. David. I don't really do that much because I'm, you know, not that old. Uh, I do some writing, which I haven't actually published yet. But, uh, yeah, and I go to school for criminal justice, and that's about it. I play a lot of video games. That's the thing I do also. <laughs> and I RPG with these guys. Yep. Yeah. David does a lot of things with us. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of things. Pretty much. He's pretty much the person I spend the most time with except for Connor now. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Probably. We, like, have giant conversations over text about RPG, like, every day now yeah, for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Secret Identity because that kind of relates to our topic, which is superheroes. <laughs> See that magical segue I? I just did right there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> did I really segue. say that? That was wow. pro was what just happened. Right Dude. <laughs> Wait, no, you need to tell us about your life first. Tell us about your new life. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, David just got married. Yeah. Yes, your new no, life. Yeah, your new life. Yeah, just got married. Your new life in Christ. Yeah. Oh, no. wait. Right. Well, that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your married uh, life, man. Yeah. Tell um, us about your apartment. Like, give us, draw us a map. <laughs> draw us a map. I, yeah. I Describe mean, the map to us. I'd basically just be drawing you three rectangles, a whole lot of stuff on the floor. Okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty nice, actually. It's not bad. Oh, that's uh, funny. But yeah, we got a lot of stuff just sitting around, and our bed's not there yet. We're sleeping on a futon because we're too lazy to bring our bed in. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, fair or enough. rather, I'm too lazy. To <laughs> She's just too busy. Um, yeah, that sounds right. But yeah. So. <laughs> yes, Connor and I were both groomsmen in David's wedding. You probably heard us talk about David's wedding at some point. I think we've talked about it multiple times on this podcast for some Maybe reason. Maybe we did. We talked about it the day before we were going to do it. It was the dress rehearsal. Um. But I don't know if I actually that that made the cut. That was when we were talking about the world building. That was that was the day before the dress, the dress rehearsal. That's fantastic. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of yeah. So anyways. we've talked about this before. So if you remember that, you'll you yeah. know, you can connect to those two things now. This is David, who we yeah. talked about before. That's me. Yeah, this is the mystery guest and his secret identity. It's David Ludens. It's now revealed. Yep. What's your middle name? Benjamin. Oh, Benjamin. Benjamin? Yeah. Now they can steal your identity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give us your social security code, yeah, David. <laughs> social security Quite number, good. credit card number. Yeah. Anyway, how, how yes. David said we're going to be talking about superheroes, but we're not you know, just being talking about superheroes. We're going to be talking about True. all sorts of different like cultural influences on stories. Um, the way that those can um, influence um, what you're writing based on, like, the time period that you're writing it in and, you know, just the, the social norms of, of, you know, now. Or, you know, analyzing stories and being like, okay, well, the reason they had these things is because it was in this time period, that kind of stuff. So we're going to be touching on a lot of things like that. Yeah. Superheroes just happen to be a very good um, Jumping on point for that, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you don't like anything you just heard, you should probably just stop listening now. Because <laughs> that's all you're going to get. Gonna get. <laughs> it's not going to get any better. Yeah, I think at this point in the show, they probably know whether or not they care. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> the inspiration for this podcast was given to us by our loyal fan, Carly Pinch, on Twitter, at MadeInHisIMGArt. I don't think there's an underscore in there, but I'm going to check. 
and now everyone can just spam that account with stuff because yeah. of you, Caleb. Good job. <laughs> 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 to be fair, he did that last week, so it's Damn. already out there. Yeah, he's just done it again. <sighs> no, that's fine. Yeah. I don't think she cares. People on Twitter like when well, most people on Twitter like when they people yeah. follow them. Did you ask her, Caleb? Did you give? Her, did you ask for her permission? <laughs> I said it last week, and she didn't complain. She <laughs> said thanks for the Maybe shout she's out. She's just polite, Caleb. Oh boy. Anyways, Carly, please let us know if you'd like us to admit your <laughs> Twitter handle in the future. Yeah, I would say apologies in advance for your inbox exploding, but I don't know that enough people listen to this to that matter. So. Nope. Yeah, probably not. Not really. Oh I mean, get like twenty listens. Carly's on like the person who might mm. listen the most, except for like Hannah. Unless she emails yeah. herself, she'll probably be okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking. She, she uh, basically asked, or I asked on the Twitter, like, um, on, on our the Twitter. Are on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> on the Twitters. I asked on the Christian Artist Twitter account, um, you know, like, what are some ideas for podcasts you might want us to, you know, do suggest some suggestions for topics? And Carly suggested superheroes and, like, you know, that whole concept of people wanting to be saved from something. Um, and so we kind of started talking about this um, beforehand, and we were like, hey, there's a lot of different things we could talk, touch on here with, you know, different cultural influences and the time period you're writing them in and, you know, social norms, all that stuff. And so we're going to be hitting all of those. So, we should start out with favorite superheroes. Yeah, that's a good place to start out. To be honest, it is either, and you're going to hate me for this, it is either Superman or Captain America. How could you I'm sorry, I like Superman. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, if you could be any superhero, everyone would pick Superman. Uh, yes, oh, So yeah. that's kind of hard to argue against. But, like, honest, favorite but. superhero? I mean, I'd say Batman, but I'm not really sure if he counts, because technically he's just a boss person. Uh, but he's <laughs> no, also the, still, one of the only counts. two superheroes ever, superheroes, quote-unquote, that are ever made that don't cheat. So that's yeah. why he's one of my well, favorite. Hawkeye, Iron Man, True. Black Hawkeye's Widow. I was counting Iron Man. I wasn't counting Black Widow, so that's four. Mm-hmm. Okay, one of the four. The Punisher. The Punisher is the best. All I know is that Jared always talks about the Punisher. How do you not know? Has really cool symbols on everything, and has a lot of armor and games named after him. Anyway, no, no. The the Punisher has guns and kills people. Yeah, the Punisher. Justice, basically. He basically he's he's Batman except Batman the way he originally was. Yes, Yes. Batman with guns. He Um, yeah, no costume. He goes in. He's like, okay. These people are evil. They're kidnapping people or they're doing terrible things to people. Just and he just goes them. in and kills everybody there. I need to watch that. Yeah. Anyways. Um, I was watching a, like an anime movie thing on Netflix. It was called The Black Widow. Black Widow and the Punisher. No. And it was cool. It's pretty good. Anyways, that was totally irrelevant. I, I, totally irrelevant. Yeah, I didn't. No, it's not I, totally I got like a third I mean, way to, through. To what I we were trying to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I got like a third way through and then went and did something else and... I never finished it. But yeah, yeah. Basically, the Punisher is. is like he like this. His thing is he's a one man jury and one man yeah. judge. Oh. He just goes in and kills everybody. Mm-hmm. So yes, Superman mm. or Captain America. Um, there's not a whole lot of other superheroes that yeah. I'm like super into really. I'd have to say <laughs> either. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't either, or I didn't originally. I just kind of said it. I'd say either the Punisher. The Hulk. Hmm. Yeah. Sure, I, like say, I like Thor, but most of the people I like don't have powers, and I'd probably go with Batman. Okay. Why do you like Thor? Thor's a poop. Be- because he's Norse. He's a Viking dude. Yeah, but Vikings are awesome. He just sits there and is like, dude, and I'm, I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to strip off all my clothes and go to this pool and get electrocuted. He's so yes. awesome that he can just stand there and be awesome and still win. Yeah, try. that's Superman. He just stands there and lightning kills everybody for him, and then he exactly. Wins. That's that's Superman though. He just stands there. And Except for that, he's cool. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> he's in he's in Norse he's versus Norse. Yeah. So, so you're saying cool. so you're saying that if oh my gosh <laughs> so you're saying if Superman was a We're different a good culture yes. You're saying, saying if Superman was a Viking, I'd like him more, yes. Okay, <laughs> okay please, please, I'm begging you, Carly. Uh, I know you draw. If <laughs> you find it in your heart to draw this, <laughs> draw draw Superman as a Viking. Yes. Please, I beg uh, you. That would be hilarious. Good. Or like, And we'll like know, put the photo on this podcast. Yes, we totally will. But we'll we put can't. it in the liner notes. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I was thinking we'll, we'll just describe it to you. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Would you like me to describe it to you? Or just like and I'll post it on my Twitter and the Facebook and stuff. Would you like me to describe it to you? Would you like me to find you a box? A TV box. So you can <laughs> oh. see it. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyways, welcome to the podcast, David. Woo! Thank you. Who are your favorite superheroes? You already said that. I didn't did. You? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who was your other one? It was Punisher and Hulk. Yeah. And was there no one, no one no. else? Oh, Wolverine. Oh, Wolverine. Wolverine. Cool, yeah. yeah. I was thinking Wolverine, but I was like, yeah, he wears yellow. I know there's some <laughs> other. Yeah. I know there's some other superhero that I like. I just can't think of them at the moment. I used to really yeah. be into Flash, but Flash is cool. Flash is cool. Ah, uh, yeah. Flash is. I've never really seen any good iterations of him yet. Except yeah, the for, except for the, the old Justice League cartoon. Old Justice League oh, was pretty so great, good, man. They just came out with a new TV series though, and people are saying it's really Flash, good. But yeah. that means it's probably terrible. I know, right? Like, cause I think it's isn't supposed to be in conjunction with in conjunction with Green Arrow, yeah. Yeah. Which that was pretty good, so. Really? Except for the fact that he like throws arrows into people's like tendons so they can't move their hand, and I'm like, you couldn't be that accurate with a sniper rifle. How did you just do that with your hand? <laughs> but you know, I guess it's supposed to be a superhero movie, but he's normal, so that doesn't actually answer any question. Yeah. <laughs> I I saw like okay, so like the Netflix picture mm-hmm. of like one of the things like like the pictures that like, goes to or whatever. Yeah. What if you're just like hovering over it? It's like. Him standing and like behind him, there's a guy who's trapped by arrows next to his neck yeah, on each side of his neck, and he's like, "I can't get out." Oh. Yeah, I don't know what his arrows like, are made out of. It's like you, you'd be dead, sir. Like, no, no, he's not dead because they, they weren't piercing his skin; they were just next to his neck. And it's like, oh, my neck is trapped. Ah, oh. yeah, I don't know. How strong are those arrows? I don't know. No, no, no arrows are no. Either way, Caleb. If there are arrows on either side of your neck. Well, no, I can see if they were like just really hard move. steel or something like that, and they're close enough, like you might be trapped and like couldn't. Yeah, but how do you out, but shoot those arrows like exactly. that? It doesn't That's make sense. Crazy. You get him a stool, tell him to yes. stand still for a few minutes, <laughs> and then shoot them. Uh, or you be Green Arrow. Yeah. Anyways. But yeah, we can just jump into it here. This is the first theory episode we've had in a long time. We've been doing a lot of like world building, plotting, brainstorming, song stuff. Mm-hmm. Which we we'd probably be doing today if I didn't have so little time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, superheroes. Um, yeah, we just got moved to a different room because uh, people needed the room we were in. And now there's a noisy fan. But we will still make an episode because we don't care. We'll just keep going. And be louder. Yeah. But yeah, we're gonna get, jump right into it here with superheroes uh, and talking about like you know cultural influences and stuff like that. Um, so, where did superheroes originate? Like that whole genre of story. Well, I think there's I don't know the exact time period that they came in, but there's a lot of the uh, origins of superhero stories come from time periods of either like like the Cold War, World War Two areas or eras of very uh, high tension and danger and I think a lot of it is from 
just the people's desire to have some kind of stability, because especially in the Cold War, when you had mm. no idea what was happening, yeah. <laughs> um, you just this idea of an iconic character that can defend you from something as big as another country was very appealing for people. Yeah, definitely. <coughs> and I'm thinking, especially with the Cold War, um, that sense of like you didn't know who was the enemy a mm-hmm. lot of the time. Like you, you, you'd be looking around. There's a lot of paranoia going on in that in that kind of era where you're like, who's a commie kind of a thing. <laughs> it, it's the the idea of an incorruptible person who would not compromise their moral values and would always be a good exactly, person. Yeah. That kind of thing was very very appealing to people. And the, the guy who goes around and investigates and finds the people who are, mm-hmm. you know, commies. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he's the guy who makes sure everybody is in check. Yeah. I mean, I think in, like, uh, and I'm not sure exactly when Captain American, or American, American, America <laughs> was uh, originated, but, I mean, his, his original plot before he was frozen ice or whatever was against uh, yeah. Nazis. And yep. so that's, I mean, that ties very nicely. Hydra! Yeah, exactly. Hail Hydra! <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm not good at doing German accent. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> I thought it was kind of passable as a German yeah. accent. Yeah. Like um, you're trying to get your German accent from Doofenshmirtz. Bury the Platypus! No, that, that wasn't was it at all. I, I can bad. do it better than that. Okay, let's not try it. Anyways. Oh, bury the Platypus! <laughs> that's better. There you go. That was pretty good. Anyways. Uh, yeah, and I think it's it's even more telling that the a lot of those stories were pro- um, products of the times because if you look at... Heroes now, anti-heroes are the big, uh, are the big deal, and those are characters who go against the rules, and they're yeah. very much vigilantes. Which I mean, a lot of the good guys are too, but they do so with good intentions. Where you can get someone like Deadpool, and you know, I mean, that's Deadpool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he just kind of does what he wants to do. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the difference. I mean, now that we're not in a situation where the whole country is wondering what's going to happen. I mean, whether it's just them being bored and, and wanting something interesting, or just. Mm. You know, having the time to um, think about things beyond basically just trying to survive and be safe yeah. leads to those kind of things. Exactly. I was listening to a Writing Excuses episode a, a while back, and they were talking about that exact concept where um, during times of war and struggle and, you know, like the recession and, uh, you know, the Great Depression, that, those kind of things, um, that's when people um, tend to look towards comedies and you know heroic characters and and those kind of things to make them feel like there is some stability in the world there is happiness in the world um but once once there's a a time of boom and a time where you know our country uh is not involved directly in any sort of conflict it it doesn't affect everyday life like even now we're in a war you know there's there's wars going on but none of it really directly affects us as american citizens now we're getting into this point where we're uh starting to think a lot more about those introspective kind of what if questions of dystopia and you know having because we have the time to think about those things we're not constantly thinking we don't need that relief that that stories can offer us in the way of comedy um we can think about okay what would happen if there was this anti-hero who went around killing everybody obviously you know you wouldn't necessarily want that to happen but we have the leisure to think about it mm-hmm. it's a lot less i mean it's it's easier to look at a dark subject when life isn't as dark as it could have been otherwise um and obviously to clarify when we insinuate that the war is going on is not affecting us um 
think we mean more in a, in a media-based way and in a way of uh, it's on another shore and stuff. Because obviously exactly, a lot of yeah. people have Oh, yeah, a lot of people are affected. But, like, yes. for the normal uh, American citizen, yeah. they can go through their day Civilians and not think and once whatnot. about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not sure if that clarification is necessary, but I figured I'd throw it out there. Yeah, that's fine. Um, well, yeah, I think those, those two things make superheroes one of the best subjects for this topic because they change very easily with the times and yeah. it's very easy to see that um, whereas other forms of media and subject might be less apparent um, mm -hmm. uh, but but all across different um, you know with storytelling uh, it's going to reflect the social norms the um, cultural influences that are happening the types of big events that are happening in that day like uh, for example we were talking about before this um, 20, the, the show 24, which is all about a counter-terrorist unit that goes around stopping people from setting off nukes and stuff like that, um, that released in 2001 right after 9-11. Um, yes. And yeah. that is the reason that show took off so much and had, had, it, it, was, it was relevant to people. It, people were thinking about this all of the time. They were like, okay, what if there's a terrorist who's going to bomb something? Like, that became a Think something that Americans thought about like every single day for a long time, and they're still thinking about it. Right. And and so that that whole era since two thousand one, we have entered that time of terrorists are the new communists. Right. Like that that was the thing. It was really interesting. There's a uh, RPG called Paranoia um, that is basically all about. Um, it, it's just a really weird like game about a, a, a talking computer that gives, like gives you missions or whatever. Um, and, and it's something that we should play sometime because it's like it's just a really weird like out of the box like out of the box kind of RPG. But you know just wait, cool? it would be cool to play an RPG on this podcast. Wonder if people that would that. actually we be should live stream an RPG session. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I would I would actually definitely great. like to talk about RPG on this podcast yeah. like as a an art because oh, it yeah. is. Um, and we should definitely do that. Um, but yeah, go ahead and give us comments about that if you'd like us to roll to role play on the <laughs> on the podcast. I mean, yeah, we could. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what I was about yeah. to say is, with paranoia, like uh, it came out in like the '80s when the, all the communist stuff was happening, and so the enemies in that game were communists, and, and it, it basically the whole game was about if the computer, the other players, like. Um, are basically all traitors and communists. <laughs> all of the players are. And the goal of the game is to place the blame on someone else and get the computer to kill them instead of you. Huh. Um, and, and, and now the, the, the next uh, edition of it, this newest edition that it came out with, it's terrorists. Terrorist, yeah. Because that just reflects the time. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you can see that in many things. I mean, even if it's just something as simple as a bandwagon where something gets really popular and all of a sudden everyone's trying to make that. I mean, like, exactly. if you look at the zombie video game market, uh -huh. all of a sudden there were zombie games everywhere. And I think that's kind of a simplified extrapolation of that, where it's just whatever is relevant is what sells. And regardless of whether or not your <laughs> product became relevant yeah. because of a social situation, or if you made it because of that, or if you just made it simply because it seems to be popular, yeah. um, those all, I mean, the times and the social structure and, and um, just uh, events in your in your country make a lot of difference on the media that happens and the art. Mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm curious as to where the zombie thing really started. Do do we know like what, what the when and where that kind of took off? And in, in, in I the... think it's I think the concept of zombies is used to be something people found. I mean, 
it is still kind of, but it's just very overused now. But yeah. zombies are interesting because they have this concept of a human just beneath his own sanity. Because yeah, yeah. uh, zombies are basically just humans that are now trying to kill you yeah. and eat you. And it's people set in a situation where... Their friends have died and they yeah. have to kill them. I mean, basically, yeah. it's an apocalyptic setting, which is a very compelling setting in general because mm-hmm. it's the world as you know it is gone. There's a new world. You have to survive. But it's in a setting where... Everything Humanity's familiar not gone. to you is it's trying just all to trying kill to kill you. you. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, generally, those kind of things start out with you having to, you know, a character having to kill their their family of some in some description because they because get infected or they whatever. Get infected, yeah. It's just it's a very interesting setting. It, I think, the biggest thing about it is, it creates a constant setting of tension and fear for the characters that puts them in situations that can cause interesting story development. Because again. In the end, all stories are about the characters. Mm -hmm. And I think specifically an apocalyptic situation adds a lot because you really get to find out who the characters are because they're in these situations. Just like in real life where dire situations tell you who a person is. That's that's how it works in in media. And that's just a very compelling version of it where they're basically destroying something that is half humanity. Um, As far as, as the game series, I think... There's just been a kind of a general survival game boon recently. I think people are just kind of in... That's just the, the yeah, mood of the that market. Definitely, yeah. I think it kind of started out with... Uh, I think Left 4 Dead was one of the first really big zombie games. that mm-hmm. just kind of everyone was like, hey, that did really well. Let's make our zombie game and yeah. make tons of money. Um, and I think it just kind of skyrocketed from there. And now we're seeing it move away from zombies since everyone's very tired of those. And yeah. towards more just standard survival and crafting survival. Minecraft, basically. Um, is more of the trend now, I think. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and so as as Christian artists, um, one of our jobs is to um, not necessarily, like, jump on the bandwagon with these things, but if there is some sort of, you know, cultural thing that's happening, yeah. something relevant to media today and, and the society we live in, that's definitely something you can think of inserting in your book in some way not to like be preachy about some message or anything like that or to jump on a bandwagon but to remain relevant with the culture and one of the biggest things about media is being relatable one of the most compelling things about a character is if they're relatable um that's why almost every time you ever have any kind of fictional setting there's usually humans because even if you have other races that gives some one that the reader can latch onto. They be okay. I understand yeah. what this person's feeling, if no one else, because I'm like this person to some degree. Mm-hmm. And so, in your media, if you can put things, and of course, it doesn't have to centralize around it. So, you know, if you have a terrorist event, and that's the very main, you don't have to center around exactly. that. But adding those kinds of things in really helps the person feel like I understand what this person feels like in this moment because this is what I feel like, or I can relate because I'm in a similar situation. And that makes the character more relatable, the situation more relatable, whatever it is that you've you've put that tidbit in. And like I said, it doesn't have to basically make your stuff cliche, but it, it can add a ton to it if it's not the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and even sometimes if it is the focus, if, if you're doing something that hasn't been done before. Um, and I mean, a lot of, I mean, every bandwagon starts with somebody who did something different or yeah, an event. Yeah. So I mean, the, for instance, there's hundreds of Minecraft clones now and tons of games yeah. that are oh, yeah. based on Minecraft, which also are, you know, from Minecraft, which even that was an original idea. It was just the first very well-executed version of that idea. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's just as much 
stock in in creating something new and interesting that will basically start a bandwagon, though. Yeah. That's obviously much more difficult. Yeah, that would be the, that would be the dream is for yes. you to starting your own off. bandwagon. Uh, yeah. that's about it. Yeah. There you go. And then everybody's gonna copy off of you. It's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I've definitely heard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard uh, it said that um, one, if you want to tell a story about some sort of like preachy topic or whatever, make the story not about that thing. And so, like, right. if it's a story about racism, make the story not about racism, but about two people that are very in love. And then racism will be the theme that runs through that mm-hmm. main story and you can see characters reacting to it but it's not all about oh we need to fight racism it's yeah. about two people like even it can it could even be a you know a white woman and a black man mm-hmm. who are you know in love and it cannot be about racism but it can just be about their love story but because it's those two people mm-hmm. and because of their situation it will be about racism right. but in a better way than if you had just said this book is about racism and i think that swings back to the concept of relatability is it's very few instances in characters lives where every moment of their life revolves around this topic you're yeah. generally not going to have people who their everyday life is okay we're going I need to, to fight destroy. this injustice exactly yeah. um and so it makes more sense to have a character just living their life, but having this thing that you want to comment on interfere with their life in a way that it does in real life. And so, I mean, if you have those two, that couple, and you have things that are happening that are race, racism-based. So, for instance, maybe if they're, you know, not totally, not at all related to this, the arc of their story, but uh, as far as their actual romance goes. But if, for instance, they, you know, go home one night and all of a sudden something happens to one of them um, based on their race, all of a sudden... Racism has thrown a huge wrench into the main story, which is their romance, mm-hmm. without actually being a main seat at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be an obstacle to yeah. the to the romance, but obviously the romance is the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard uh, it said that um, in a, in a given story that there should be at least one person that every read or every reader should have at least one person in the story that they can relate with in right. some way. And I think that's a good rule of thumb. Like, you always hear about people, we need diverse books and all this stuff, you know, everywhere. And I get kind of sick of all that talk or whatever. But it does, it is a good concept um, just in general of being like, all right, I don't want this book to just be about one thing. Like, you, there should be at least one character in your book that someone can be like, I can relate to that thing. And, I mean, even if you want to be cynical and jaded about it, if you... I mean, just profit margins. If you're, if you don't have characters that your readers can relate to, they won't read the book, or they might, you know, they might not read the next one. So if you have somebody who kind of enjoys your writing style, and let's say it's an Asian American, but you never have a single Asian type character in your book, or a character who's like them, maybe of a different race, depending on, you know, depending on the way that they feel about it, uh, they may just be like, you know, I don't really relate to the characters in this book, and they might not, you know, you won't Uh make as much money. And (laughs) so I mean, it just there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, and I mean, yeah, not only does it then make for a better reading experience, uh, more rounded, just characters in general, because I mean, then you have to try and write characters that are different from each other. Uh-huh. Exactly. Um, but I mean, just for the basic reason of you're trying to sell a book. And um, for the basic reason yeah. of that's not the way the world is. Exactly, yeah. Like, the world is not populated by white males, right. you know? It, there are a bunch of other characters that have stories that need to be told yeah. that can be. And, and, and like, I, I've also heard on Writing Excuses, like, they're, they're talking about, like, if you just have, okay, the story is from a male point of view, it's just a one mm-hmm. teenage boy. Okay, awesome. Like, 
there may be a large portion of the female audience who just won't read it because well, it's just right. from a male viewpoint, I can't relate to that. Mm. But if you have a male and a female viewpoint and you do both of them well, yeah. you have potentially <laughs> doubled your reading audience, right. your and of possible course, audience. The the caveat is that is doing it well because exactly if you write the male teenager very well because you're a male teenager, but you write, uh, but the you female write female teen, teenager like a male teenager, <laughs> that's not going to go well. exactly. And, and in that kind of situation, if we're talking about like writing relatable characters, um, and and especially characters that aren't you, one of the best things you can do is do research, and you know talk to people who are that thing, or if you can't, if you, you don't know anyone like that, at the very least read other books that mm-hmm. have those viewpoints and do them well, yeah. or just do research about, okay, I want to write about a French person in the 18th century. Read about French people in the yeah, 18th century. Right. Yeah, research goes a long way. And I think uh, especially for writing somebody who is very different than you, it helps a lot to do, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. You can research their cultures and that kind of things. But, um, I mean, if you know somebody who is a, or, or know somebody who knows somebody who could read your book and be like, you know, this would probably be different. Or if you know somebody you know very well, um, and you can be like, okay, well, how would they act in this situation? What would they do? Uh, I think a lot of characters in books are very much based on real-life people, or at least feedback from real-life people. Um, and I think the people around you are one of your best, probably the best resource for writing or doing any kind of art, really. Yep. Especially <laughs> if you're working with something you're unfamiliar with. So if you don't know how to write a person, a person that's from a different uh, um, culture or gender. Uh, gender or anything like that, I mean, there's plenty of those people around usually, uh-huh. <laughs> and I mean, then there's the internet if they're not for some reason. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I, I basically, I, I'd like to do an uh, apology in advance to everyone in my life. You will end up in a book someday. <laughs> like, at least part of you will. And, yeah. and that's what I do. As I go around, it's just the way I work because right. I am ingrained myself so much in storytelling. Like, I, I, I've learned more about that than almost any other topic in my life. Mm. I go around life and I'd be like, oh, I'd be like, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, that person's face, that's an interesting face. I'm going to remember that face, mm-hmm. and I'm going to write someone with that face. Or, hey, that, that thing you just said, I am going to write that down, and it's going to be in a book someday. You know, yeah. like, Maddie, just, like, a few months ago, said some, like something like, uh, wait, you're talking about cannibalism without me? How dare you? And it, it, it didn't make sense, it wouldn't make sense out of context, but if I created the right context in a story, that kind of line would work perfectly, and that's Maddie. That, you know, like I have just right. transported a piece of that person into a story. And obviously, you don't want to like, wholesale put a person into your book and write, because that's, that gets you into a whole other issue of privacy and all that stuff. But, right. like, you should be taking pieces of everything around you and putting them in stories. Yeah, I think that's one of the things. I mean, you always read books and you're like, oh, this person is so creative, made up all this stuff. In reality, most of it is something they saw. I remember, um, and of course, Brandon Sanderson is like the only person we ever reference here, but uh, <laughs> he was talking about how he came up for the idea of having the mist and Mistborn, and he was just driving once, and the mist, there was mist out, there was fog out, and he thought it looked cool, <laughs> and so he wanted to know where that always happened at night. I mean, that was basically his explanation for how that happened. Uh-huh, yep. And I mean, everything is just, you're just living life, and you see things that are cool, and you, mm-hmm. you build off of them. And there's obviously a lot of creativity into it, but I think it, it does, there's no reason that there's an exception for that for characters. I mean, it's very much the people you know color the people you write. Um, and like you said about um, wholesale putting people in, I actually, uh, my brother-in-law wrote a story 
Um, we originally called it the story with everyone in it, and now it's called uh, Sway, spelled T-W-S-E-I-I, which was an acronym for the story with everybody in it. Um, and it's literally just basically his friends in a story where he sort of, he took the basic of their personality and, and had them in this other world, and we all loved it. Of course, now, he had our permission for that. Uh-huh. Uh, he didn't just decide that we were going to be in his book, but... Um, I mean, it's we all love it to death. It's 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 fun reading about yourself in some uh-huh. kind of other setting. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of a, a ego fulfilling thing, I think. But I, uh, I actually have part of Justin in one mm-hmm. of my books. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I told told you about that before. Exactly. Um, yeah, but yeah. It, it, the way he talks, I have him mm-hmm. in a book. And that's the thing is, it's easy to make a believable character when you're writing about a person that exists. Yes. Because mm-hmm. they're real, <laughs> and that is. I think that's why we draw so heavily on things from our life because that's how you make things believable. It's, this actually happened, so I can make this believable by using these things. Mm-hmm. Drawing it back to superheroes, um, Brendan Sanderson right. actually um, he he wrote a superhero series and very good. The yes, it's it, excellent, and we haven't actually finished it yet. He, the, the next book yet. is yes. coming out soon. Um, but he, the is original that, is that for sure the ending? Yep, Clemente. Yes, the original idea for that came from him driving. And someone cut him off in traffic, and in his uh, mind yes. he thought, "If I had superpowers right now, I would blow up your car." Mm-hmm. And then he thought, "Stop!" And he's like, "Wow, that's horrible! <laughs> like, why did I just think that?" What would and, happen? If and then, what would happen yeah. if people actually had superpowers? Would they really be good? Would they become vigilantes and 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 you know fight for justice or whatever? Or would they just use it and you know abuse it? Yeah. And that became a story. Mm-hmm. Those singular moments can oh, yeah. be like that, like. The, the book I'm writing right now, To Look Skyward. That came from one night when Con- uh, Connor, David, and I, and our friend Trevor were just talking about books and uh, like ideas for stories. And we were like, okay, wow, it would be really cool to make a story, make a, like a society that like their city has to be on cliffs mm-hmm. because like the whole world is like super mountainous. Yeah. And we're like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, there can be airships and stuff like that. And then Trevor came up with the idea for a puppet like magic system where you like, control people like puppets if you are above them. And we're like, that's perfect. Let's mix those together. And so it's all about elevation Mm -hmm. in this world that is completely mountainous. And that became an entire society right there with that one moment. Basically taking the concept of a hierarchy being tiers of elevation and making it, if you are higher, you have more power. Mm -hmm. Like in a very real way. Um, And I think that it made a really cool uh, distinction or, or combination between the theoretical height of a wealthy or powerful person and exactly. the physical power they get from that. Um, and it turned out really cool. Yeah. Um, and we had a lot of really interesting ideas. I know in the same discussion we had a, um, an idea from Trevor also, who happens to be very good at this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who He had a dream about uh, zombie children piling corpses into a cart. And, carried by uh, a donkey. Yes, carried by a donkey. And from that, I, I uh, extrapolated <laughs> into a book I'm writing, um, which is about people who can basically dissolve pieces of their body for power and then use it graft on magic. other pe- pieces of someone else's body so they can assimilate other limbs to replace the limbs they burned up. And so these children were going to battlegrounds and gathering corpses because, hey, money, <laughs> yep. I, we can sell these body parts and people can use them. Preserve them, chop them up, and stick them on people who have used too much of their body for power. And it created a whole world and a whole story. Resolving around body horror, basically. <laughs> More or less, yeah. So uh, it's... I, I don't remember how we got on that topic. 
<laughs> yeah, we've got a huge tangent. About, yeah. yeah. Basically, we're talking yeah. about um, you know, oh yeah, this, the using influences and looks. And I, I think that's probably what's gonna, the episode's going to be end up name be right. named is influences for your stories or something like that. Um, but yeah, let's let's bring it back to Super like heroes. superheroes. Superheroes. Yeah. yeah. What? Why do we love superheroes so much? Not just because of the culture, but like, why does somebody like? that we can look to and be like, this guy is just amazing. Why is that so ingrained in our system? Well, bringing it back to Christianity, I believe that it has to do with our psyche, our God-given like mind and heart, and the way we are wired. We are meant to be looking for a savior. That That's mm. how the essence of humanity has always been. There's always been people wanting someone else to swoop in and save them. And... There, you know, there are always many people who want to be that person, um, and there's this constant give and take between. All right, we we as humans aren't good enough to do this, and it's been very obvious when people try to that we can try to be do good in the world, but we we're never enough. We can't save the whole world mm. like Superman does every single comic. Like right. <laughs> we can't do that, and and so we imagine people who can because that gives us hope, and because we are built like that. I think it points directly to God as being God. And, and he built us like that because he knew we, we needed a savior. And so he, you know, became Jesus, became a man, died for us, saved the entire world. Like every superhero does. And, you know, we went and then conquered death. He defeated the bad guy. I think there's an inherent understanding in people that they cannot do things on their own. And that regardless of whether or not, they think they're amazing or whatever. They know they're not perfect. They know they can't do, like I said, everything on their own. And I think that's it's got this understanding that you need something else, whether well, regardless if you understand why. Um, and yeah, I think that translates a lot into this kind of media. Um, and of course, then there's the the idea of wish fulfillment of, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, and uh, this would be a cool idea. But I think a lot of, especially because of the way that superheroes began as a concept, or at least kind of became popular as a concept, was, like I said, going back to those wars, um, Cold War and World War II, is very much, this is bigger than us. No one person can defeat what we're up against. And those concepts came from the desire to have somebody, you know, have something to look to to protect you. And I mean, it's very much the same, like, like Caleb was saying, um, in Christianity, you know, we know that we're fallible people, that we can't be perfect on our own, I mean, ever until we die, really, but, um, and that we need somebody to do that. And I, I think a lot of people have that gut understanding without really having the knowledge as to what that means. And I think that's, I mean, um, it's an entire another discussion, but we have a lot of um, people who will go to drinking and things like that, trying to fill this hole of, of, of purpose and um, this longing for somebody you know, for a reason and for some, you know, for, for protection. For purpose in their and, life. Yeah. Because without Jesus, without God being God and, and us recognizing that. Exactly. There, it's impossible to find any purpose because all of these things are essentially meaningless. As Solomon says in Ecclesiastic, right. Ecclesiastic, there's nothing new under the sun. All is meaningless. All is vain. Right. Yeah. Vanity. 
No, that's what he says. He says all is vanity. Depends on your translation, God. No. He probably said something in another language. New King James. That's actually true. He didn't never say. He didn't say vanity. He yes. said whatever the Hebrew he word vanity wrote is. A word that means vanity in this language. Maybe According to the directly. guy who translated. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> now we're not going to get into biblical translation. Nope. That's a topic. There's now. a lot of different things we can go from here, but yeah. And that that also goes along with our first episode where um, we all have an instinctual. Um, Desire Love for creativity. Create, yeah, create, yeah, creating things. And that's because we are created in the image of God. And I mean, man wasn't designed, designed to stagnate. I mean, Adam was, was meant to cultivate the garden, to grow and stuff. Mm-hmm. We, we were given, uh, from the, yeah, the beginning of being created, given something to do. We're Give not me meant to just sit there and do nothing. Yep. Yeah, And that's why, like I said, it drives people to do things they wouldn't otherwise, just looking for a purpose, looking for something to fill that hole because... If you're not here for a reason, why be here? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really interesting too. Like just looking at you know self help books and motivational speeches, motivational videos, all these things where like in your in, in your like me as a Christian, I, I look at those and I'm like, oh yeah, that it is. It's motivating. But then you look at like the deeper meaning behind it. Like you try to look for a foundation and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like you like what is the actual point of this? Like yeah. obviously I want to do something with my life, but why? Right. Like. You know what I mean? What's the point? Why why would we struggle to make, be a business owner and make mm-hmm. our own business and help people and you know make money, be successful if there's at the end we just die and there's nothing? Yeah. Like what's what's the actual purpose of this? Right. It's not just to die and leave it behind for our children. That doesn't make any sense. Like right. but then they're just going to die and then their yeah. children are just going to die and then their children are just going to die. Like there's no point. It, what does really it what does that actually thing. help? <laughs> In the yeah. end and, and then Two generations down the line, one of your children could just really screw it up and you're back to square one. You know what I mean? Like, in the end, it's all vanity. It it doesn't make sense. But with Christ, with with that purpose in mind, with with being like, all right, I'm doing this because Christ is real and because he's told me to. He said, do everything. Like Paul said in, in, uh, I don't remember where it is. (laughs) Paul said in. Is it Philippians? What? What do you. Uh, do everything for the glory, glory of Christ. Oh, that's First Corinthians. First Corinthians, okay. I couldn't he said, do everything. Yeah, it is First Corinthians. I knew that. He said, do everything for the glory of Christ Jesus. Like, everything you do has a point. Yeah. And it can honor God. And that's one of the coolest things, I think, about being a Christian artist, is that it, sometimes I think about this and, like, we're just, like, sitting here, like, making made-up worlds. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are we really yeah. doing? But then, but then I read books. And I'm like, no, this has a point. This has a purpose. Like, this is meaningful. Stories are how we interact with each other. Story Art is how we communicate. It's, it's one of the most profound ways to communicate that has ever existed and you know, will ever exist, these different pieces of art that we've been able to create. And because God has sanctified all of these things, because God made art in the first place, we have total free reign to use this and have fun with it because it we can always glorify God with it as long as we're keeping God in the back as the base of everything we're doing anything can be an act of worship such as sitting in a room <laughs> podcasting about oh, yeah. social influences on writing and i think um, one of the things you said there was that uh, i lost it i had it and then i lost it um, we understand what did you say <laughs> Uh, saying purpose, Christ, art, um, communication. Oh, right, yeah. One of the nice, one of the one of the greatest things about being able to write fiction is that 
somebody who is not a Christian can pick up a fictional book that is in a fantasy world that has a really interesting story and interesting characters, and they can read the story and they can read biblical principles in that story without having to be like, okay, I'm going to go to the library and pick up a Christian book that has, you know, the heading, you know, this Christian topic, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you could be reading, a, I mean, like, even if you look at really popular things like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, a lot of Brandon Sanderson's works actually, um, one of the things I love so much about him is as you read his books, you see just little hints of like, okay, this is something that the Bible teaches is true. And somebody who's just reading the book for fun will then pick up those lessons, will pick up those things without feeling like they're having it shoved down their throat or without just mm-hmm. ignoring it because it has the word Christian on the cover or whatever. Um, and I think it's, it's a really great way of kind of introducing those concepts to people who otherwise wouldn't be interested in all. And of course, and then at the same time, you get to write, uh, you create art. Mm-hmm. And I think it ties very much into like you were saying where <clears throat> everything you do can glorify God and everything you can do can have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's not strictly, you know, plastered on Christian stuff right exactly. on there. And I think one of the main things for me is that when I think about this, like, um, I want to write fantasy and science fiction because of that whole didactive element and being like, mm-hmm. all right, we think about things. Let's, exactly. let's think about these concepts and these and these morals and all this stuff. And then what I can do, if I, if I actually, you know, be successful with this, I have then a platform to talk to people about mm-hmm. Christ. Like, if I actually become a famous author and I get to go on book tours, I can talk to Christ I can talk about Christ to everyone I meet. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that is an opportunity to make friends, to, to influence people's lives in a positive way, just because we can do that with anything, with oh, any yeah. job that you want to have. God can bless that because there's always people that you can influence, people that you can witness to. Mm-hmm. And, and even with art, you can be like, and people can be like, you know, man, your book meant a lot to me. And I'm like, hey, let me talk to you about something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, let's, let's talk about this. What do you think this means and all this stuff? And then we can get into a conversation about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that is something that honors God. Yeah. Even if it's not, and this is something that bugs me, is people like always say about like, Christian fiction is like, no, it needs to have God in it. You know, it needs to be total God all the time. Right. You need to defeat Satan and all this stuff. No, that's not real life. Yeah. Real life is not everyone wins in the end. It, there's a lot of struggle and heartache, and there's mm. moral questions you have to answer. Not everything's going to be handed to you, and right. a book shouldn't be like that either. Right. Obviously, God wins in the end, right, but yeah. no one wants to read that. <laughs> in the very, it very boring. End, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's. If you know from the beginning that you're just going, you know, all the characters are going to be totally fine and everything and happens exactly the way yeah, they want exactly. it. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing is, in the very, very end, then yes, people who, you know, Jesus wins, people, uh-huh. yeah. But in the meantime, there's a lot, a lot of lot endings of before that happens yeah. in lives. And those are the things that are very much not all the pillows and cutter, fluff. Yeah. And, Sprinkles. That is one of the best explanations I've ever heard of, of uh, the the ending before the ending kind of thing. Like, it's that exact concept. It's like obviously in the very ending, Jesus wins, but there's a lot more endings before that. <laughs> yeah. That's that that grounds the purpose of of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like in place, it's like obviously God wins in the end. Mm-hmm. We know that Jesus already conquered death. Jesus already won. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like Satan has lost, but 
right now we're in the middle of a war that is still ongoing and we're the ones who have to do things to make the difference here. There's a lot more endings that have to happen before the real ending. Exactly. And we're in the middle of a series. We haven't gotten to the end of the series yet. Yes, there have been a lot of books and there's been a lot of endings for those books, but there's hundreds of more books, thousands of more books, millions of more books to be written. Yeah. Exactly. Boom. Metaphorical <laughs> awesomeness for the win. Yep. That fly is bugging me. <laughs> He's I see what you did you. there. That was good. We were we weren't having enough puns. See, so I think that's its wing floating right there. Yep, that's its wing. Did I kill it? I think so. Wow, I'm impressed with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of back onto the main. Um, well, the main topic was uh, things affecting writing, but uh, superheroes yeah. was kind of the the focal point for that. So back onto that. Uh, I think actually writing. Superheroes into your story was something we wanted to touch on real quick. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this goes back to the whole Superman problem. Um, mm -hmm. If you have a character who is all powerful and perfectly good, then how do you make it work in a story? Because a, a lot of times you can look at that and be like, well, that's a boring story. I don't want to read about that person. Like, they're just going to win. And if you do have an invincible, pwn awesome character, not only have to make the villain even, like, you know, stronger, or. Either you have to make the villain stronger, you always have to make the villain stronger and somehow well, he overcomes. Either, either it's you make the opposition more than the outside of the range of the person's competency. Yes. Right. Or you make the main character have a struggle of whether or not this is the right thing to do or not. Exactly. Make, make you have the, an internal struggle instead yes. of an external I think struggle. In order to make a character who is beyond the power level of a normal individual compelling, you have to have methods of them. Be, uh, the thing about Superman is that. He's very powerful, but he does have weaknesses. One of them, most of his weaknesses are totally unrelated to him. I mean, he has kryptonite, but I mean, that's not only is that kind of cliche, not cliche, but uh, just kind of cheesy, but. And one sided, really. It's just, yeah, it's really it's not like, really Oh, of course, he has, the villain has a yeah. piece of kryptonite in I his mean, pocket. Every time he fights somebody, you know they have to have kryptonite or they won't win. But when it really becomes compelling is when you use things that he can't just, you know, deflect off of his skin. Like, for instance, um, the people he cares about. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this does kind of tie back into what we originally talked about where it depends on the mood of, you, of your audience as to what you're writing. So, yeah. I mean, Superman worked fine because that was the, what they wanted. They wanted someone who couldn't be beaten, basically. Yeah. And that was perfect. But the problem is now people want realistic character, characters. They want gritty characters. People who feel real, that they can relate to. They want people who struggle. Yeah. They want people and, who can't just lift eternity and infinity. Exactly. Just for nothing. You know, yeah. <laughs> Or become God. Or yeah. sneeze away a solar like, yeah. system. <laughs> exactly. Or and, a galaxy. And that's the yeah. thing is, basically to make a superhero compelling, they have to have very powerful weaknesses. And I think um, that's something that is, is hard to do with superheroes, because you go to set out a creative superhero and you're like, I just want this guy to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do, but that will make for an interesting story. He has to be able to be brought down, whether that's, okay, he has physical weaknesses, um, like kind of like kryptonite, though generally something less super specific and, yeah. and cheesy is probably a better idea but something that he could also use to his advantage right I mean, the just opportunity presented itself. things that can be interesting um, I know I was, uh, a game I, I've played there's a character who is basically indestructible he's on fire he burns everything but if water touches him he goes out and he doesn't die but he, he can't stay there and that's a very interesting thing because water I mean obviously water is pretty prevalent but his powerful is his powers are incredibly potent and so there's a very interesting balance there where he can be taken out relatively easily, but he can also wreck. It just causes incredible damage if he's not. 
And that's the biggest thing that to really writing one is to make them compelling, is to make them defeatable. Because if your reader is not worried about whether or not he'll succeed, they won't really be interested. <laughs> um, and, and there again, you can do things kind of like the way Superman does, where it's the other people in the story, it's the people he cares about, it's the place he cares about, that are his weakness. They're the things that are threatened, not him, necessarily. Um, though if he can become threatened, that is generally also as compelling. Um, but those both create very compelling weaknesses, especially when someone else is at stake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, one thing, this brings up Sanderson's second law, Brandon Sanderson's second law of magic systems. And, and that is power, or limitations are more yeah. interesting than weaknesses are. And, and I was actually just, I just looked up the, the essay that he wrote on it, and he was actually talking about Superman in that essay. And he, he was, like, talking about, well, we don't, we're not interested in what Superman can do. We're interested in what Superman can't do, mm -hmm. and more importantly, what he won't do. Yeah. Like, he has a moral code. That's Superman. He, there are things that he won't do because he, he, he believes that it is wrong. Right. And, and having to play with those morals, especially with, with people who are super powerful mm -hmm. or with, um, you know, the people that he cares about or, um, you know, anything like that, those are the kind of things that make mm -hmm. superheroes interesting. It's being like, well, I could solve this problem, right. but do I want to? Yeah. Is and, that the right thing to do? And that's the thing is... Again, going back to believability and, and relatability, a character who is a paragon of virtue and justice is hard to relate to because most people, while they would like to be that way, are not. Uh, I mean, I say most people, nobody. Um, <laughs> well, Jesus. Well, yeah. But, um, <laughs> He's somebody. Kind of is that. So, it's, but anyways, um, the idea is if you have your hero have internal weaknesses in the sense that he has struggles that a very real person would have. In fact, he may even have more because he is now essentially better than everybody else. That is, I mean, doing that without being proud, that's pretty difficult. And I mean, you can have issues that a real person would have, uh, you know, I mean, de dealings with greed, dealings with uh, pride, things like those that can be just as compelling as internal conflicts as an external conflict with a super powerful enemy could be. Um, sometimes even more so because it's, it's a struggle with a character against himself and it's almost a lot more tragic than just the good versus evil cookie cutter thing we see all the time. The, the most interesting heroes are the ones that are just people who gain supernatural abilities but they still have the same problems mm -hmm. as before. Exactly. They just gain these more powerful powers. And because of that they're the most relatable because you yes. can think well I'm a normal guy, he was a normal guy, what would I be like if I just randomly got this power? And it's, it's a little easier to put yourself in their shoes than what if I happen to be born on another planet, get yeah. thrown here and be <laughs> powered by the sun to be invincible. I mean, that's kind of a stretch. Um, and I think it just makes an, a story where you're going to be sucked into the shoes of the character and feel what they feel a lot easier, more easily. One last Whatever. thing here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one last thing. Uh, there, the I can't remember what superhero he was talking about, but Dan Wells in Ready Excuses was talking about uh, a Marvel superhero that has every power conceivable. Like he can do anything, but he has a a bunch of debilitating mental illnesses, <laughs> and so he can only use those powers when if he's lucid enough to to do it. Hmm. And, and and so that's something there. You you give someone basically an incredible power, but the limitations on either the power or the person with the power are make it interesting. Yeah. So you're like, I have, I can do anything, exactly. but I can't tell what's real or not. Right, yeah. I have schizophrenia. Exactly. Like, what, if I if I decide to blow up this thing, am I really blowing up something bad, or is this my wife? You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
you know how hard that would be to write? <laughs> yeah. That would be very difficult. Well, I th- it was like a comic, so that's a little oh, bit yeah, easier. Yeah. But, but yeah, I agree. And I think um, the more powerful your character is, the more devastating his weaknesses should be. Because it just it creates for an instance where, sure, they can do these incredible things, but they can also fail incredibly. And <laughs> I think that's the important thing about heroes is that they should be both extremes. They should be incredibly capable and also incredibly fallible. Otherwise, they're just not as interesting. There we go. And because we've mentioned it like 3,000 times, you should go watch Brandon Sanderson, or listen, I suppose, to Brandon Sanderson's podcast, uh, Writing Excuses. Yes, we'll put that in the liner notes. Yeah. Fantastic uh, podcast that explains writing much better than we ever could. Um, Shorter, too. A lot shorter. (laughs) It's much more condensed. (laughs) Uh, but yes and they're all very successful writers instead of beginning writers but yes yeah. but we're still writers so yes well yes well, I'm just saying except Connor hey, hey. <laughs> I wrote Soul Thief which you always complained about about this exact specific topic how he was just exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't was good problem. he was a terrible person Exactly, that was the the problem. He was going to kill everyone in the entire world. Anyways. And that was a part of the story. (laughs) All right. But but he he has to be good. Uh, Thanks for calling in, Connor. But (laughs) all right, we're done. (laughs) We have one more time. Anyway, yeah, we are out of time. Um, But yes, thank you so much, David, for coming and joining us. Hopefully, we're going to have David on more often now if he's free. Yeah, that'd be great. Because, yay, more people like who are regular and, and just don't come when they just feel like yeah, it. You're out of excuses, and <laughs> so I'll go right. Wait, wrong show. <laughs> Anyways. All right, yeah, so you can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show, at Facebook.com, at Facebook.com slash Christian Artist Show, and at our website at ChristianArtistShow.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Ciao. Thing, like recording the yeah, okay. right now, right? The, the really <laughs>